Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes and get it automatically. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Any questions or comments, feel free to email MyFirstSketchPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Josh High False. Today's guest is John Plester, currently the director of The Worst Generation, and one half of John and Ian have something to tell you. His first sketch is called Gang Fight and features Trevor Miles as Tony, Courtney Painter as Limpy, Tom Hannigan as Bottles, Sheila Master as Fingers, and myself giving the visual information. The sketch was performed during Temple Smash Season 5, and video of the sketch will be added to MyFirstSketch.com. So let's go to the reading. A 50s greaser gang is walking into the scene dressed in leather jackets and jeans. The leader, Tony, is combing his hair back and just finishing a story as the followers laugh and look at him admirably. So I says to the shopkeep, you can keep your damn Coca-Cola. And I throws it on the ground, because ain't nobody going to mess with the cobras. The gang whoops and cheers as the leader crosses his arms and looks on triumphantly. Suddenly, a smaller, dirtier, poorer, and younger-looking gang member comes rushing across the screen to the leader. He has a noticeable limp, his clothes are torn up and stained with blood. Tony! Tony! Limpy, for Christ's sake, what happened to you? It's this new gang in town. They call themselves the Bulls. The gang audibly gasps. What'd they do to you, Limpy? They rough you up? Yeah, they did. They got me Tony. They got me good, Tony. Their leader told me that they're looking for you guys because they heard you were the toughest gang on the block. They said if I didn't relay the message back to you guys, they'd they'd break my other legs so I would have two limps. Limpy, I'm so sorry. What am I supposed to do if I have two limbs, Tony? Huh? How would that even look? How would that even look? I I don't know, Limpy. I don't know. How am I supposed to explain that to my mother, huh, Tony? Yeah, Ma, in addition to the limp I have from getting run over by that milk truck when I was a kid, these guys gave me another one. They'll put me down like a horse, Tony. Limpy proceeds to have an emotional breakdown. The gang comforts the gang comforts Limpy. Alright guys, this is our town. These are our streets. We've been here for years, and now these guys, the bulls, decide they want to try to change that. You know what I say to that? What, Tony? Tony stands up on a trash can milk crate, whatever alley prop there is, and begins to begins to get into his speech. I say no. We ain't gonna let him step on our turf. The gang cheers in agreement. One gang member, Bottles, steps out, on the, steps out of the crowd and addresses Tony. Hey, Tony, I know we're gung-ho about defending our turf as I am, but I'd like to bring attention to the fact that we ain't never actually fought no one before. Heck, I personally ain't never even been in a scrap. See these hands? Smooth as silk. Bottles raises an interesting point. I mean, we never had a real rival gang before, as long as I can remember. We never had to intimidate anybody. For most people in town, as long as we snap at them in unison, they seem to generally get the message. 
The gang audibly agrees and begins snapping in unison. I mean, muscles. You're our muscle. You, you ever been in a fight? Muscles crosses his arms, looking tough for a moment, pondering the question, and lets his head drop down, looking defeated. Muscles, are you okay? I, I didn't mean the question. You're... Muscle turns and begins to quietly weep while putting his hand up as if to say stop. He whimpers, never actually uttering a word. See what the bulls are doing? They made Muscles cry. Muscles for crying out loud. Another gang member, Fingers, steps out of the crowd. Uh, Tony, I'm pretty sure that was you. Hey, Fingers, it, it doesn't matter who. I'm just saying, Tony. You know what, Fingers? You want to go there? Have you ever stolen anything in your life? No, I, I always slid the shopkeep, the money, after you guys left. I just talked a big game. Cracked wise to make it seem like I was tough. I'm a fraud. These fingers don't fing a thing at all. What about you, Tony? Huh? You got anything to reveal to us? Maybe you ain't actually a person. Maybe you're just two midgets with one standing on the other shoulders. Is that it, Tony? I do have something to reveal to you guys. My name isn't Tony, it's actually Anthony. I, I guess we ain't so tough after all. Everybody begins to have a complete emotional breakdowns, weeping and hugging each other for comfort. Tony slumps down and stares at the ground in disbelief that the entire illusion of his gang, gang's image just tr crumbled in a matter of minutes. You happy now, bull? Bulls, you see what you've done to us? In the middle of the gang's collective breakdown, the bulls walk in from the other side of the alley. They are greasers as well, clad in leather jackets and jeans, albeit a different color jacket than the Cobras. After a moment, they collectively begin to back away from the mess as slowly unfolding in front of them. Hey, John. Hey, Josh. So tell me where this idea came from. Do you remember? Oh, boy. Uh, so this I wrote for my submission packet for the first time, the first and only time I tried to get onto a, a Temple Smash, uh, which was my sophomore year. I ended up getting on the team with this and like two other sketches. Um, and it was an idea that me and my friend Jake uh like threw around freshman year, which was it was essentially I think originated as like what if like a like a, a like a very theatrical like West Side Story gang mm -hmm. got into an actual gang fight, and okay. that was just like we would sit on our beds and shoot the shit and talk <laughs> about how they would just get stabbed like repeatedly, uh, and then it's sort of like it morphed into this that I wrote up like one summer like the the summer when I was at home between freshman and sophomore year. Um, of just essentially like, oh, it's a new gang in town. This is like an actual gang mm -hmm. uh, that's like taking on uh, this sort of like very uh, like jets. Was it jets and sharks? Jets and sharks. Yeah, sort of, kind of sort of like group of of uh, of like humdrum latchkey <laughs> children. Uh, but like, I don't think it ever like clearly expresses any sort of that idea. I think it's just like a group of. Uh, like whiny children sort of being scared. Like, I don't think it's very any good. All right. So this was for Temple Smash. Yeah. Sophomore year. Yeah. Why, what do you, what, what gets you involved in Temple Smash? Like, what do you, why do you want to do it? Like what? Okay. So 
my freshman year of college, so I came in as a film major, and I graduated mm-hmm. with a with a BA in film, uh, and I like I didn't realize this until I got to college, but I realized that uh, one of the reasons that I was majoring in film, outside of the fact that I like was like very into cinematography in high school, mm-hmm. and like uh, and like bought a bunch of equipment, was like shooting a lot of like not like quite narrative short films but like you know things like that uh was that like i really wanted to be a part of like a like a youtube sketch comedy group okay which was like completely like backwards uh of like what i was doing uh because i got to film school and it was just like the worst fucking people uh like there were some really talented people there but it was also like uh a lot of uh like hyper pretentious people uh, and like the, the 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 group of people that ended up being incidentally in my uh, like my intro like my freshman level classes uh, all bonded over the fact that they all loved like Marvel movies and I was like oh fuck this I was so <laughs> upset like at least like even if I ended up with the pretentious kids I can I could talk about I don't know like Truffaut or something yeah, like, yeah. Just, but because yeah. uh, I went briefly to film school too and like oh, where'd you go i went to messiah which is a small christian okay. school outside of harrisburg yeah uh and when you go to a film school it's a christian school <laughs> there's a difference between you get the already pretentious ones you get the ones who want to make movies and then you want to have the ones that want to use film as an evangelistic tool oh my god yeah which even within a christian setting i was not prepared so for. like the like the missionaries yeah like, oh my god uh there's that like nice little bubble. So we didn't have the full pretension. Like we studied the pretension. We studied yeah. French New Wave and all that other stuff. Yeah. But like for some people, this was a means to an end to get people to heaven. That's which, very interesting. Uh, is I still wasn't used to. Like even going to a Christian school, I was like, you should have been in you know one of the other buildings. Right, and I don't think that's like a, like. Don't get me wrong. I'm like not. I don't know. Trying to compare it to like apples and oranges, but I don't think that's too dissimilar of like what these people thought i think because a lot of them were like comic kids so they're like i'm going to use this medium as a means yeah. to an end of achieving like right. what i want to do right. with like articulating my love for this medium mm-hmm. so like that was like my freshman year i ended up being the dp for this dude's uh short film that we shot over like several it was like ended up being like a half hour film uh called strike if you look it up on youtube it's there it's terrible it's <laughs> it's unbelievably terrible um and like i think that was the point where i was like i went through like the doing like sort of like shooting this film which like we didn't light most things like we didn't we couldn't we didn't have access to like all the equipment right it was shot on my t2i with like uh with you know like with like a zoom lens that had like an image stabilizer so i can shoot a handheld and like an on like an onboard shotgun mic so the audio was terrible (laughs) everything it was about was terrible it was like we would go home to this kid's house every weekend and like shoot it and like the like the movie theater that he like worked at in high school or like at his house and stuff like that and his mom would like cook us up lasagna <laughs> it was a terrible experience but it was like oh this dude's using like this medium as a means to an end for like articulating like whatever story which like everybody like in films going to do but he yeah. like he didn't have a love or an appreciation for the craft of like why he was using that medium um so yeah so that's how i sort of got disenchanted about film school but then okay so you mentioned that you wanted to do it because of youtube sketch comedy groups what were you watching what were the ones that were like yeah 
So freshman, or not freshman year, Jesus. Oh, yeah, freshman year of high school, um, my friend, like, I don't, I don't even remember his name. He was a dude who was in my English class. Um, Minjay, I think that was his name. It was a weird dude. Uh, but he, he showed me a Derek Comedy sketch. So Derek Comedy was uh, Dominic Derricks and DC Pearson and Donald Glover. Donald Glover uh, and I was like enamored. I was like, oh my God. Like these are three guys or four guys if you count um, uh, Dan Ekman, I think is his and, name. And uh, they have a female. Oh, Maggie. Per- yeah, some, Maggie, uh, something like that. Yes. Who's married to Dan Ekman. And, right, right. Like, so yeah. the four or five of them were all in Tisch together at yeah. NYU, which is where I wanted to go when I was in high school. Um, to be in like New York, like I grew up in New Jersey, so there was always the romanticization yeah. of New York. But I was like, oh, no, that's, look, that's what I want to do, everybody. <laughs> like, that's who I want to be. I want to be those guys who were, uh, you know, the, the sketch, uh, it was um, uh, it was called Jerry. I don't know if you know the sketch. I don't But it was uh, Donald Clover plays like the cool kid who's like slipping into class uh and he sits down in class and just immediately shits his pants uh like for like very very long with like a fart like a like a fart sound that's like very clearly like the worst adr like doesn't match up with like it's like not blended well it's like it sounds like they ripped it from the internet uh and then he gets up and leaves and then comes back in trying to be the new cool kid who would never <laughs> shit his pants while you hear the shit slopping around in his pants and everybody can like smell it. And it was just, it like it's so juvenile. I also like go back and, and watch those sketches every once in a while to see if they hold up. Uh, that one absolutely does. I think it was just for me because I hold it so dear to my heart. Uh, some of them don't. Uh, but that was like I was like, oh, that's 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 very interesting to me, especially because like um like I like I would watch comedy, but I always thought it was just a thing that people did. Right. You know what I mean? I always thought that was like, oh, everybody watches as much comedy as I do. Right. Okay. You know? Which isn't entirely true. But isn't entirely true. Um, like I, when I was, I, but I re- comedy is universal and everyone does. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody appreciates comedy and everybody sees certain like comedy staples, right? Yeah. So like a lot of people would see like whatever you know the new Will Ferrell, like whatever. It's like Anchorman. Like a lot yeah. of people see that, but like not as many people are gonna be like, uh, like oh, like remember that Dana Carvey show sketch yeah. like that, you know? Um, but like that's not something I realized because my mom was like super super into like sketch comedy like into comedy and like exposed me to a lot of that stuff at a young age so that like i have very like distinct like distinct memories of my mother at the sink washing dishes and she like having like a little like tv that's like Mm -hmm. hooked up to the bottom of the cabinet like a little uh like one of the still boxy tv where those cr tvs whatever um uh and it was just playing like like SNL reruns, right? Mm-hmm. When they were play those on Comedy Central, and this was like uh, so like what like mid late '90s. So it was like sh- like sketches with like Molly Shannon and like Sherry O'Terry and like Will Ferrell and, and stuff like that. And like that's like and I would just like stand there like you know with with mom like I'm with mom I'm six or seven. <laughs> Uh, I'm mommy's little helper and, and I would just watch these sketches with her and by the time I was eight I would be quoting back the Spartan like the Spartan cheerleading sketch right. at her uh, there's a little bit of just like ugh, he was six when Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell were well I don't think that's when I was I, like I, so uh, I mean I'm uh, I was born in 1994 I'm 21 that's nearly still. 22 <laughs> um, but yeah no like I was I was pretty like also, so like uh you're doing this in the you know same session as talking to Pat, and Pat was saying that he 
what were you in fourth grade? He was in fourth grade when like The Simpsons were in their golden era. So I was in when I started watching The Simpsons. I was in fourth grade, and that was like season. I'm gonna say season twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because like to me, being eight or nine years older than you. Uh, my Simpsons Golden Era is like season three, four, five, because that's like when I first yeah. got into it, and like when the DVDs came out, those were the ones I was like, yeah, constantly watching. Where you might like, like season twelve might be Golden Era for you. Um, I mentioned it quite a bit of time, but like, uh, one of the Saturday Night Live writers, Jim Downey, has a thing about uh your favorite Saturday Night Live it is, is yeah high when school you're in high school yeah so and I think. The Simpsons is going to have that same kind of right uh, trajectory too, where they're going to be on for so long until the cast dies out, basically. Yeah. That Jesus, like <laughs> that. My nephews might love Simpsons now, but I'll look at it and be like, "This isn't the right." Simpsons. So it's like whenever you're ten years old, yeah. like whenever you can like really, really empathize with Bart. Right. <laughs> like, uh. But so like for me, that like so. That's the thing, like, that's not the golden era of The Simpsons for me now because I'm a comedy nerd, but I can find myself, like, I find myself, like, the animation that I'm the most comfortable with is, like, right when it begins to teeter over the edge, right? So, like, uh, like teeter, when I say teeter over the edge, I mean, like, season 12, 13, when the quality of it starts to... Where the the story is weird, becomes weird, and, like... Yeah, so I'm most comfortable uh, comfortable with the era of The Simpsons where the first act didn't matter, right? right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, where it would be, the whole first act would be, like, a big MacGuffin, and then you get to the end of the first act right before the commercial break, and that's what, like, if we want to, like, that would be the, whatever the game yeah. of the episode would be. Like, that's whatever, like, the main storyline of the episode would be. And the whole first act would be a lead-up to that. And so that was, like, you know, like, what, like, 9, 10, 11, 12, sort of starting getting into that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we get to Smash, you mentioned watching Saturday Night Live as a kid. Do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Oh. Uh oh, geez. I mean, like, uh, I I don't think at the time. I think now it would be, oh, man, like Phil Hartman. Like, if we're talking cast members, yeah. Um, specifically, like, like, uh, uh, yeah, like specifically, like performers. But oh, man, like, I mean, like, I like I'm a big uh like SNL sort of nerd. So like I can say like uh, like I think like Jack Handy would probably be my favorite writer. Okay. Like I think he's also like a like a very influential person to me. Yeah. Uh like I read a lot of like his when he sort of like pontificates about comedy. Like his theory mm-hmm. uh is always like really interesting to me. Uh I think like th- that's like I think like late 80s is like uh as far back as as like I can I can go. I think beyond that, I think like uh, like comedy like that is sort of like dated in a little bit. I think you can appreciate it, but like I think I've I've watched like late '80s, like when it went through the Lauren change, and it's kind of like shitty, and like uh like the late '70s sort of stuff, um, and it didn't like really resonate with me. But yeah, like Phil Hartman, I think is just like I I think is the I think the the best cast member of I, all time. Uh, yeah. I I would agree with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I remember, like, with the 40th anniversary, there was all these different, like, articles and stuff where it was listing, like, Rolling Stone had this one where they listed, like, every cast member ever, and they ranked them, and any list that doesn't have Phil Hartman one or two yeah. doesn't deserve to be published to me, yeah. like, um, but, okay. oh, sorry. So, all right, after Saturday Night Live, like, watching Saturday Night Live as a kid, Derek, as a, in college, going into Temple Smash, right? what was your experience with Temple Smash, like, 
so my experience with Temple Smash, uh, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that institution for like a number of reasons. Like it was regimented, like I found like-minded people. Uh, like I think by the end of my, I think naturally like by the end of my senior year, like as like people going through like any sort of like system like that, like mm-hmm. I could feel myself. I hope this doesn't sound like too like being a fucking asshole, but I could feel myself like outgrowing it. Just because I was reaching into the, like to Philadelphia into the Philadelphia yeah, comedy pod. I mean, you, I, I, I didn't completely realize that you were a college student. Seeing like John and Ian, yeah. out there, like I knew you were younger. You were obviously younger than me, <laughs> way younger than me. But I didn't realize that you were still like concurrently taking classes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like. So yeah. So it was. I think it was. It was wonderful because number one like it would give me deadlines uh it put me in a writer's room for the first time and that writer's room when I was first uh where I first got on which is the fall of 2014 right which when this the, the sketch is from uh which would was have been like season five season five I want to say Smash. um yeah so that the head writer at the time was Rob Gentilly who like uh for like you know people who have been around Philadelphia comedy he's like Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, like, I didn't realize to what gravity, like, like he, like, uh, of, like, of a comedic influence, like, I had with me, uh, like, uh, with me at that time. But, like, just a brilliant, brilliant and wonderful human being, yeah. uh, like, terribly supportive. Uh, as well, uh, Bobby Lang was on that team mm-hmm. uh, from Swedish. Uh, Dave Pincinetti, who's on Dr. Sleepover. Um, Cole Johnston and Max Skolnick, who are both on uh, Fit House Team Hoffman. I think okay. Max uh, has moved to LA and is uh, just absolutely destroying it out there. Um, uh, as well as uh, Jess Smith, who is now in the worst generation. Okay. Uh, and this dude, Jake Mattern, who I think just moved out to LA to intern on Jimmy Kimmel. So it was just like, I mean, like, that was like a, a fucking all star room. Like, for, for, you know, where I was when I was like fucking 19. But, like, uh, I mean, still, I think we would still, like, be a really, really great room. Um, but my first year on Smash... I'm sorry, I'm, like, sort of, like, You're rambling. Right? Uh, uh, my first year on Smash, I got... My first episode, I got two sketches in, and I was flying high. And then the next two episodes, I did not get dick into that show. <laughs> I was writing the worst sketches that I've ever written, and I was, I was absolutely, up, like... Uh, I, I could not stand it. I was so upset. Uh, and it was like, a, 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 like a, and nobody had uh, like had a drought like that, mm-hmm. which was upsetting. Uh, and then the fourth episode, I sort of like, that's when I was like, oh, I figured, like, I, I, I went through this weird metamorphosis that year of figuring out how, uh, like, what, what necessarily is funny to me and, like, how to articulate that to other people Mm -hmm. um so i thought that was like really interesting even at least that first year uh of um so the the sketch that we read uh gang fight was in that first episode uh along with another like crappy sketch uh and then like the the next sketch i got in was like april and this was you know i pitched this in like september (laughs) so it's just like the longest drought of just like not having any sort of like well i mean well there's only four episodes in a like a year you really can't be like, oh, I only got in two episodes. I mean, like, yeah, but you I can't was, think of it time wise. You have to think of it episode wise instead of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so it was yeah, it was two episodes, uh, and even there was like stuff that like I was writing like in between. Uh, I got to a point where I was writing 
sketches that weren't good. I was just trying to write the most absurd thing to take people by surprise when we were doing table reads and mm -hmm. hoping that it would get voted in. Uh, like the sketch I wrote called Dr. S uh, what was it? Dr. Wagner's Honeydew Island Swamp Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that even mean? I don't like, know, man. Uh, it was, uh, it was like a commercial for this, uh, man, Dr. Wagner, who was like a sort of like a, like an okay, I'm Dr. Wagner. I'm welcome <laughs> to, and he owned the Honeydew Island Swamp and he ran like a, like a, like a, like a boat trip through the, sw the swamp. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was fucking weird. She's just like, this weird character. Funny. Like, um, so at a Temple Smash, you have uh, John and Ian right perform together. How did that evolve out of? So uh, Ian uh, got onto the team uh, his sophomore year, my junior year, and so this is like like when I was like I figured out how to sort of write comedy at this point. I was getting stuff in more consistently, and um, and he like came in and just like he like I mean he blew me away because he's uh like like a really super intelligent guy like super cultured uh like very like socially aware of like things which I think is uh wonderful because I'm not like has very hard like political and social <laughs> opinions uh while I'm more like oh whatever <laughs> like I just sort of like really bad about that um and we like I really admired his writing all throughout that year um and I ended up getting him a job uh, in the television studio um, where we would basically just sit in the back of the television studio in this, like, room with all the equipment in it and just, like, sit there for hours in between classes and do nothing and, like, make, like, $9 an hour or whatever. Like, it was a great student job because we can just, like, sit around and, like, do homework. Uh, and we ended up, like, by the end of my junior and the end of his sophomore year like going into summer we were still like working and uh like we just started like pitching sketch ideas to each other because we weren't doing the show anymore mm -hmm. so like we didn't really have a creative output and like it got to the point where we ended up with a show like we accidentally wrote a show okay so we we're like oh um okay, so what do we, like, what do we do with this? Um, like, should we do this? Like, it was a thing where, like, I, like we felt like we had done something wrong. Like, we like, accidentally wrote a show. Like, like now what do we do? Like, there's this weird uh, loyalty to Temple Smash. And, yeah, like, like should having... we hold these sketches for next year? Like, we, we were, uh, so I, at the time, was feeling, uh, like, I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to throw, at the time, uh, Brian Kelly was the sketch producer. Mm -hmm. And I emailed him, and I think he, like, probably at the time, like, barely knew who I was because at that time I was only doing improv at the theater. I was just on uh, 1816. Okay. And I was just like, hey, uh, can we get a can we get a show? Is that, like, is that okay? Is that like, how this works? Like, asking for a show, I was like, is it okay? Like, if not, that's, like, cool. I'm, like, sorry to bother you because <laughs> uh, whenever I send emails, I just sound like a little bitch because I just, like, I can't send, like, a like an email with any tone that isn't just, like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but, and he was like, oh, yeah, cool. So you have a slot at the end of July, you're opening for the flat earth. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Um and then like we just like uh, oh and, and then that was around the time that like I started like I met Matt Schmid and we got some feedback from like our show uh from Matt, which was really great and like super helpful. 
Uh, and then we put it up, and it like went like pr- like it went pretty good. Like I think like it went pretty well. Like I I was happy with it for like a first show, and considering it was like a like it was j- like we didn't cast act. It was just us like performing right. the whole like what twenty two twenty three minute twenty five minute set, you know. So that was uh, okay. So you're doing improv at Fit, yeah. As well, uh, did you do the classes at Fit? Did you? So before, did, <laughs> so before I got cast on uh, eighteen sixteen, uh, nearly two years ago. So that's October twenty fourteen. Uh, I I didn't take any classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, when I when I was doing Temple Smash, me and Cole Johnston and Max Skolnick, who ended up on Hoffman. Uh, we started an indie team with a couple other people called Witch Academy. And we were doing shows at Figment Theater, like right when it was Mm -hmm. starting to get like sort of, it was like right like after like John Hughes High started. And like when they were sort of like starting to become like, they they had just gotten the space in um, the Asian Arts Initiative Mm -hmm. on the second floor. And so we were consistently booking like, 830 shows on Thursdays like every two weeks like doing the most god-awful heralds you could possibly imagine and then like (laughs) we were opening for Max and Maggie which is Max Sittenfield and Maggie Keegan and so by that time like Max Sittenfield was like an established comedian like doing a duo with like one of the best improvisers in the city and I was doing shitty heralds uh, and now, like, we're working together in the worst generation. I think that's so fucking weird. But, like, he... So, I think that's funny that he saw me doing these, like, awful, terrible improv sets. Uh, so, like, we were doing that, and uh, our coach was Bobby Lang, who was uh, direct, who directed Hoffman. So, he pulled us in for that audition for Hoffman and Trash Island, me, Max, and Cole. And was like, I'm going to get... I'm going to bypass you through, uh, like, having, like, that, like, class yeah. restriction. Because at the time, it was just, like, 201. Uh, and we all auditioned, we all got called back, and I was the only one who didn't get cast. And then because I got called back, I was allowed to audition with still not taking any classes okay. in the fall. And I think they're like, they've really locked that down now. Yeah. So, like, I've really fucking squeezed in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know that recently it's been very, like, you have to go through the classes. You have to have, like, your like, equivalent. Like, yeah. Because I think I talked to uh, Caitlin Weigel, and she, was, she thought, like, yeah, I didn't do any of the classes either. And I got through, and I was like, that's mm-hmm. that feels Her, weird to me yeah, now yeah. like <laughs> yeah there's like a bunch of people who did like tyler garamella from outside voices was okay. another person jamie glasheen uh i want to say like i've heard like like st- like i hear the folk tales of like luke field and like i've heard that he didn't take any classes before like so there's like people who there, have like done are, it, who yeah. have like experience doing it like i know jamie did it like comedy uh at LaSalle, and like tyler did it when he was at rowan and i was you know we were doing stuff at temple so okay so you have john and ian uh den mother as a improv group now yeah so that's me and molly scullion from the and, decoy and now the you are uh the director is is that the actual is that the title that yeah. you're comfortable with like, yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> of uh of the worst generation yeah the new fit video team right uh so tell me how that has how that process has played out how that process so i think it was like oh jesus i don't know it was like april uh and jack o'keefe sent me a text and said hey if we were gonna do uh like a like a digital sketch team uh would you be available to be the director and i was like (laughs) like what (laughs) like yes but why um so (laughs) i was like like of course i would like that's a great opportunity but why 
Uh, and then he sort of like told me like, yeah, we're going to do like a live and like a digital team. And I had like talked to Greg before about like doing digital stuff at the theater just mm-hmm. as like a way to get my foot in the door somewhere and like mm-hmm. working with people. Uh, so like I was tapped to do that and it was like, it was like, Hey, so I wanted to make sure you're available. I still don't have comp- like 100% permission. Like we still need to talk it over with Greg and like Jess and like the artistic team. I was just like, oh, geez. <laughs> like, it was just such a weird process. Um, but, yeah, so that's 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 how that happened. And then you had uh, packets submitted and yeah. people write in, and you, and you picked a group yeah. with other people, I'm assuming, helping you pick. So it was uh, – I mean – I don't, I don't know how much I can reveal about the process, geez. But it was uh, me and Brian Rumble, who's the director of The Decoy. Uh, shout out to their first show. It was fucking bomb. It was insane. It was so good. Um, and Molly Scullion, who uh, Brian wanted to be the head writer of mm. The Decoy. Uh, Jack. Um, we, the, like, I think we read all of the packets, right? Uh, but then they each had... Like, they set up a system where it was, like, three or four people read, like, each group. Because we had, like, 60 packets. Like, each group of, like, 20-some packets. So those people were, like, Brian Kelly, Joe Moore, Paul Trigg. Like, I think Caitlin Weigel, Corinne, uh, Greg, Jess. Uh, Jesus. Like, I can't even remember. There's so many people. Mm-hmm. So and, and, like, it was that. And so, like, everybody would, like, rank these sketch packets. Like, I read every single packet as soon as I could get my hands on them. I read all 67 packets or something like that mm. and every pitch and every, because I was just so excited about it. And I just wanted to get like a there, like as much as I trusted these people, I wanted to really get my hands on everything because right. I knew specifically like what I wanted in terms mm-hmm. of a writer's team. Uh, and then you have the, um, so the, the process, like you, you went to college for film, right? Uh, you have the, the BA. Yeah. Uh, and now you're shooting sketch comedy and worst generation. And yeah. How is that working? I, I know there's a crew of directors and editors that you have. Right. You have so a- no, we, uh, we have a crew of like, uh, like cinematographers and editors and like, you know, like, you know, people who come out and set to like grip or whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that's, uh, Evan Don. Uh, Matt Guerin and Matt Marin, and I chose them on purpose because their names rhyme and it's real fun. Uh, no, they're both great. Uh, so Matt is somebody who I worked with. Uh, like I used to shoot T late sometimes or whatever, and like help them out in that when I was writing monologue jokes for them. Uh, and Matt Guerin, uh, Matt Guerin, uh, like I'd seen do improv, and I knew he was like a funny and like super nice guy. And Evan had like incredible, like a, like an incredibly like long, like twenty years of like video experience like have it had a degree and like uh then like taught and then was like doing stuff out in san francisco uh and then like rounding out the crew was uh rj Payne mm-hmm. from dog mountain who's basically just like our social media manager who okay. like runs our instagram facebook twitter uh and all that business and all that you know seo or whatever the fuck it is <laughs> uh and how is the process of of leading the re- the writer's room how is like uh it's been like it's been really great it's been interesting um everybody's following into the role that i sort of cast them like in which is like really nice i was like oh like i definitely got uh like who i intended to get and like mm-hmm. everybody's like filling at the writer's room like very nicely um 
it's I, I mean like it's definitely uh, like a bit of a struggle sometimes like uh, having to delegate to both the production side of things as well as like the writers and like sort of like keeping that organized and like compartmentalized um but I mean like at like uh I'd never like before doing the worst generation like I'd never really like 100% run a writer's room like Temple Smash uh I mean there I think there it's starting to be a big change over there but like the three years that I did it, it would be okay. So we have sketch selection on this day. Like everybody go and write and rewrite their sketches independently. Don't tell anybody about what your sketch ideas. You don't want to spoil them. Bring them in and try and get the best surprise that you can of like what the mm-hmm. comedic idea is. Instead of instead of like write the best sketch you can with collaborators and we're all doing this together and like what the fuck are we doing? Instead it was of a, bringing it in and let's all let's fix it and make it better. Yeah, together. it was like a weird like doggy dog mentality for like a very long time. But like I don't think anybody like like a lot of us didn't really know yeah. any better. Uh, I think like this past year when like Ian was running it. Uh, like it started to become like way more collaborative and a lot of us were pushing for it. And those like, and sort of me and Ian co-wrote every episode and we'd always get like two or three sketches and the people who wouldn't co-write or like refuse to sort of like meet up would be the people, like there was like a, like a, you know, one or two people who would like not, who didn't get any sketches in all year. And it was sort of just like, sorry, like if you like, this is the thing that we're doing now. Yeah. Like we're all collaborating and we're all making our work better. And it, you know, it was, it wasn't just me and Ian. It was also Jess and, 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 and Jake Matter and, and Ross Wiseman and stuff like that. And everybody was working together and we were all punching up each other's scripts and it like really had like an effect and it was like really interesting. Uh, but like, I'd never like, uh, like run a writer's room or, or like had a queer cut idea of how I wanted to run this room so it's definitely it's been like figuring things out as we've been going Mm -hmm. along and making like small adjustments I think the vision that I have for the team at least at this point has dramatically shifted in the past what three months that we've been doing it so what has being like a college someone who's college educated in this process in film and you know making film making movies and stuff like how how are you using that as a to do the sketch comedy. Right. So when you say college educated, it makes it sound like I didn't dick around the entire time I was in school. Well, uh, there's, <laughs> there's some kind of, there's some level. Yeah. Of there's some merit in it. I mean, there's like a lot of theory being bounced around and I did like focus on uh, like production classes, but definitely uh, it's, it's great because uh, I've had experience of being on sets that are poorly run. And now I know how to run right. a set with, like no budget and like the most minimal crew and like working around things. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, if there's anything that they prepare you for a temple, it's like sort of the concept of it, like the concept and philosophy of like independent filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're not, it's not like studio filmmaking. Like I think they teach at like USC or NYU. So it's not like this is how you work the system. Here's how you play with the studio. Like here's what you have. If you have like, tons of HMIs and, like, Jokers and, like, Kina Flows and, like, you know, fucking track, Dolly track for days. It's, like, how can you make the best picture with, like, the most minimal mm-hmm. sort of equipment, which is apropos because their equipment office is fucking just a ridiculous place. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, like, uh, definitely, uh, and also, like, with the knowledge of, like, Evan and, and, and Matt and the Matts, uh, the Matt, the Matt twins. Uh, everybody sort of has their like low budget filmmaking tips that yeah. we all like have sort of like accrued over the past 
three or, you know, you know, for me, three or four years, you know, maybe even longer than that. And like, you know, Matt longer than that, and Matt Garen longer than that, and Evan for, you know, the past 20 years. Uh, so, uh, definitely like, um, <laughs> the, the reason I was chosen for this, I don't think, uh, for to be a director wasn't necessarily uh, in terms of, like, sketch chops. I don't think I would have been the person that they would have tapped to direct a live sketch team. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, uh, they were like, who's, who's, who in the company will uh, take on the load of directing a team, a digital team, with no budget for equipment, no budget for, like, editing software, no budget for anything like that. And we'll, you know, I mean, like, it's sort of like who has the knowledge and who has, like, can sort of, like, go out and do that with a group of people. Um, and they settled on me. I don't know what the fuck happened. Uh, but uh, it, it's more so it, it, it prepared me to, to be able to do what we're doing at the level that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully when the sketches come out, people will think that they look nice. I think they look pretty pretty good considering uh what went into them which was like a lot of like low budget yeah tricks buying and cobbling things together from home depot uh you know <laughs> like like uh like what we had like a like an led light like taped to a light stand for like a green screen shoot like things like that like mm-hmm. it 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 prepared me to problem solve in the way that I'm like forced to do. So then I mean, you mentioned being a comedy nerd and everything. So why do you do it? Why like, what is, what is the drive to do comedy for me? Yeah. Oh geez. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think this is a, like, I think it was last summer I was sitting outside of, I'm going to answer this with a story because I'm an asshole. Uh, I was sitting outside of Rogues and uh, uh, David Dinell and Frank Farrell came up and they had this like, uh, this like Venn diagram with like three circles and it was like the reasons that they determine why people do comedy and it's uh, basically like the three main circles are like either you're sad about the world and you're mad or you're mad about the world or you're confused about the world. Okay. And those are the reasons why people do comedy. Now gr- granted this is like a really sort of like a huge generalization. Mm-hmm. Uh and I th- like I think like I'm just super like sad and mad and confused about uh things. So and you're the overlap completely. Uh, I don't I don't think necessarily I think everybody has a little bit of everything uh in them. I think I sort of move towards a bit more like mad about things i just get very frustrated um but like it's it's sort of that like anger and like confusion i guess i mean like it like in a really overarching like why do i do comedy because Mm -hmm. i'm upset and confused about the world around me and i'm trying to make sense of it right isn't Mm -hmm. that like mostly what everybody why everybody does comedy because they're they're a little bit of them is broken inside (laughs) i don't mean to i don't want to like make everything seem like everybody like you know i mean like there could be people who do comedy who are like perfectly happy but there's like a reason why we're all seeking validation through this and like nobody ever is like quite satisfied right uh yeah i think that's pretty fair to say yeah like i mean i this is just from my own point of view but um man when this episode comes out i'm not gonna listen to it because i feel like i'm sounding like such a fucking asshole (laughs) but um (laughs) but like i yeah it's it's that it's uh it's like validation i mean like 
for I, for me, I think sense of of humor develop all in different ways. But I mean, at least for me, it developed as like a defense mechanism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that was the thing that I used to define myself because that was the thing that I idolized when I was growing up, right? So it was the thing that I always aspired to be. Because that's what I saw, and that's the the people who I saw that were successful on TV, and the people who I wanted to be were the comedians, and the people who I enjoyed being around the most were the people that made other people laugh, and that's the person that I always tried to be, you know? So the reason that, that's the reason I do comedy, because it's the only thing that I know will make me happy. <laughs> like, it's the only thing that uh, I love and feel super passionate about, and and brings me any sort of validation. All right, that works for me. Yeah. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you. <laughs> John Plester is currently the director of The Worst Generation, the new digital sketch team from Philly Improv Theater. You can follow their exploits on Twitter and Instagram, at Worst Gen Sketch. The link to their YouTube channel can be found at bit.ly slash Sketch. New videos should drop every other week. You can also check out John doing improv with 1816 on Saturdays at FIT. Music show returns to FIT October 14th, and John and Ian have something to tell you. We'll be returning to the stage in November, opening for the Flat Earth. More details about that will be forthcoming. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook to keep up with who I'll be talking to next and future live shows. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>